You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1123 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or don't need. And it can even help you to negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast will break down what became a 124 to 106 win for the Hawks on the road in San Antonio. Uh, very nice performance overall by the Hawks. This is sort of the broad strokes here. And with this win, the Hawks have six consecutive victories, all by double figures, uh, fully erasing the slow start. The Hawks are now above 500 for the first time in a while at 10-9 and nine overall. And they were 1-8 on the road coming into the night, and now they're 2-8, which isn't anything special, but they got off the schneid with a big-time win on the road. And honestly, it wasn't all that competitive in the fourth quarter, which is obviously what you want to see if you are Atlanta. It was kind of a slow start for the Hawks in this game, but the, the offense was really dominant once they settled in to, the, to this contest, and a lot of that was led by Trey Young, who was just brilliant in this game. 31 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds for Trey in 30 minutes. He was just marvelous um, from the opening bell, honestly. He was uh, driving the offense, being aggressive, hunting his own shot, and also passing and rebounding and doing all the little things in this game. He was absolutely awesome. And the Hawks led by double digits for the majority of the second half. And honestly, it was probably not as close as the finals were indicated. It was the Hawks were up by 21-23 with four or five minutes to go. And then it was all garbage time from there. So with all that said, we'll get into what transpired in this game with some pregame context. And thank you for listening to the podcast on this pre-Thanksgiving episode. Although I guess when you're listening to this, it'll, it'll be Thanksgiving. It's happy Thanksgiving to everyone that is listening to the podcast. Before the game started, the there was a little bit of news actually. Not like massive news, but Travis Schlenk spoke to 99 99 the game on Tuesday and said that a Kong Wu could be practicing and rehabbing in the G League by early December with a potential return in mid-December. Uh, McMillan later in that day, by the way, so this is a uh, traditional you know front office versus head coach kind of thing, nothing uh, nothing too aggressive. But Nate said later in the day that there's no timeline for his return. They'll be cautious with the Kong Wu. But he did say the Kong Wu just started playing a little bit of three-on-three, so that's obviously a positive indicator. Um, dating back to the original announcement, the timeline for Okongwu's return was supposed to be January on the team side, but Okongwu talked about December and his birthday um, and his own kind of timeline projection. Uh, Schlenk, I will say this uh, kindly, and I, I like Travis, um, he was very optimistic a few times last year on the radio in a couple of spots that were not ended up um, accurate at the end of the day. Um, I'm sure they were when he said it, and just, it just kind of didn't break, out, break that way for the Hawks, but I will just say I would not take his comments on the radio as gospel with with regard to player returns. It could happen for sure, and nothing is wrong with him being optimistic. And I will also say that McMillan is kind of famously guarded and does not like to give information away, so kind of have the two polar opposites on that. So I'm not sure how much we learned here, but there's definitely no bad news for sure. It's good that he's progressing and playing a little bit of three-on-three at this point in time. The other thing that was uh, non-game related was that the trio of Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays were actually still in College Park on this night. People were asking me why they, why did, why they weren't playing garbage time. It's because they were not with the team. Um, they're uh, back in College Park. I'm not sure if it'll be all week, but um, the Skyhawks play on Sunday, and uh, I would imagine that the Hawks would have had them on the trip if they wanted them on the trip, but there you go. They're not, they're not there, and they're still at College Park at this point in time. Uh, Injury-wise, nothing huge for the Hawks. Obviously, just Hunter and Okongwu missing this game, and the Spurs were missing Dumb McDermott in this game. I actually thought that probably helped the Hawks in some uh, in some respects. 
um, but also maybe hurt the Hawks in some respects as well. McDermott actually is probably their, he's their best shooter for the most part, but not a guy who plays good defense, and the Spurs are kind of predicated on defense. So that wouldn't change anything, I don't think, too much in this game, but worth noting. Um, coming into the night, actually, the Hawks were favored in this game, as you might expect, against a team that's not as good as they are. But the Hawks were four-point favorites, according to our friends at BattleLine.ag. It was in the morning, and they actually closed at three and a half, so it went down a little bit. And this is the smallest spread the Hawks have had as a favorite in, in 10 days. So the Milwaukee game at home where they broke the losing streak, they were a smaller favorite than this, but they were a bigger favorite against everybody else, you know, Orlando, Charlotte, Boston, etc. So keep that in mind. That's interesting. It was kind of an interesting challenge with that. And, uh, you know, famously, for those of you who might be long-time, long-time Hawks fans, um, Atlanta lost 21 straight games in San Antonio at one point. They've now won the last three, including tonight. So the uh, the streak is long gone, but uh, worth noting that it used to be just annually the Hawks would find a way to lose in San Antonio. Not so much anymore. All right, with that out of the way, we'll get into the game itself here. And um, honestly, it was kind of a slow start. As funny as it is um, for the Hawks, having scored sort of out of their minds for most of this game, it didn't start that way. Um, Collins missed two, first, missed two shots in the first 20 seconds of the game. The second one was almost a poster dunk. Actually, had a, he had a huge dunk later in the game. But um, that was interesting to kind of see that out of the gate. They were getting good shots. But they opened 2 of 10 from the floor. Um, they were actually 0 of 4 at one point before Trey, got, Trey had a floater off the glass. They were getting threes, though. They actually took, took five threes in the first three minutes. And in general, the process was pretty good. But the Hawks just weren't making shots at the outset. There was one... Beautiful driving kick by by Young to Bogdanovich for a wide open corner three to force a timeout from the Spurs. But it took a couple of, I would say, so-so attempts. But generally, uh, they were attacking the rim, getting threes, and just kind of playing well with the ball in their hands in the first quarter. Rotationally, they actually went back to uh, kind of a weird back and forth here. Uh, it's been a thing of, that we talked about a lot on the podcast. But in the first half, they took out Trey early, as they have been doing occasionally in the recent past, bringing him... Out of the game first in the in the first quarter for about three minutes, then bringing him back to close the quarter, then sitting him again. That happened in this game, um, and uh, they went to Delon Wright for that little period of time. They actually went to Gallinari Reddish as they have been doing most of the way, and then they actually played Lou with Trey for a little while in the first quarter, which I don't really understand. That's not a matchup that I like just generally that pairing. Um, and I think Delon and Lou have played so well together. I wasn't really sure why they did that. Um, the second half, they kind of went back to their other rotation, which is interesting enough. I'm not really sure what the indicators are on that, but I'll leave it there for now. And then the Hawks went ice cold one more time. And it was uh, after the uh, sort of subs mid- mid-quarter. They scored two points in about three and a half minutes, and the Hawks let, uh, actually, trailed the, actually trailed by seven points at that point. So for a game in which the Hawks led for the vast majority, they were down seven pretty late in the first quarter. But they closed on a 7-0 run with a Lou Williams three, and then Trey scored back-to-back buckets. And the Hawks uh, sort of got rid of their ugly, ugly shooting, and it was just kind of so-so. They were 31% from the floor with about two minutes to go in the first quarter, but ended up closing at 42%. And again, the shots were pretty decent, I thought, overall. Not a lot being called um, by the officials, kind of a loose whistle in this game, but the Hawks took care of the ball with one turnover in the first quarter. And the Spurs were getting, getting up a lot of threes, which has kind of uh, been an Achilles heel of mine for the Hawks' defense this season. The Hawks have been uh, bottom bottom seven or eight in the league if your point attempts allowed, which I know is not like a gospel thing that always makes your defense worse, but generally you want, to, you want to allow fewer threes if you can help it in the modern NBA, and they were allowing too many in this game. Um, the second quarter, it was obviously a lot more positive, and in general, the Hawks won and dominated this game in the middle two quarters. Um, actually, if you combine the two, it was 76 to 56 in favor of the Hawks in those middle two quarters. But the second, it started out with Capella versus the bench. 
uh, sorry, Capella plus the bench, I should say. Um, a couple of good looks from Cam Reddish, a couple of catch-and-shoot threes that he made under control, um, good under control, you know, smooth looks that he made. That was good to see. Uh, Lou had it going a little bit as well. He had nine points in a pretty short period of time, and the Hawks got the lead back. Um, the offense played very well, but I will say a pretty shaky Spurs offense was scoring at a high level for the first, you know, couple of quarters in this game. And San Antonio had one more run left in there. It was actually an 8-0 run to go up by four late, uh, I was you know, I guess mid- midway through the second quarter for the most part. They went, they went back to the starters during that push. Um, eventually, though, the Hawks answered and kind of never slowed up from there. Uh, a couple of nice passes from, um, from just generally everybody kind of whizzing the ball around. And then Bogey had a three in transition to give the Hawks a lead back. And then moments later, Bogey had actually a nice pass where he gave up a pretty good look from three to find Capella for a layup. That was good to see him sort of seeing that pass and delivering it. And uh, the Hawks closed the first half on a 15-4 run. And that gave them their largest lead of the night at that point at 65-58. So they had trailed by as many as seven, but ended up closing and leading by seven points at the break. Um, it was a pretty crazy final sequence, like lots of uh, kind of raggedy play with some steals and turnovers at the end of the quarter. But Trey was awesome. I thought both scoring and passing down the stretch of the first half, as he was for most of this game. Um, the Hawks were awesome overall in the second quarter, but generally on offense, they scored 38 points in the period. And in the first half, they had a 132 offensive rating, which is obviously quite excellent. They shot very well from the floor at 53%. Um, they shot well from three. They got to the line seven times, made all seven. A five turnover, which is obviously very good against the habit-creating team like San Antonio. They lost the glass, which was kind of the one thing the entire way that was kind of a uh, black eye for the Hawks was the defensive rebounding in this game. But other than that, the offense was pretty awesome. They took a lot of shots from floater range. Most of those were even uh, were actually Trey Young and John Collins, so you don't really mind too much on those floater range shots and didn't take a ton of mid-range jumpers, at least in the traditional sense. Um, Trey had 14 at the half. And then defensively, I will note that the Hawks were not great in the first half. Um, a 118 defensive rating. Um, you know, the Spurs are not very good on, on offense in general, and they did shoot... I thought over their heads in the first half. Really, for the whole game, Bryn Forbes did for sure. But uh, I think the Spurs were shooting 44% from three at the halftime break, which is obviously better than you expect. But again, the offensive rebounds kind of let the Spurs hang around. They did limit them free throw wise, but uh, in general, it was an offense first uh, performance in the first half. And uh, while the offense definitely continued things in the third quarter, I thought as we, as we look ahead a second to the second half, uh, the defense was much better after halftime, which obviously gives you a little bit more of a positive feeling about this victory. Uh, before we get into all that, though, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats, and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. And with that said, it's the perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. 
This is something that's totally delicious. I feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. That might even be on the low end. But most built bars have only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut built bar. Go for a raspberry built bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie and they're low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein and covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make even things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. We'll have new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. And for now, you can go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, 15% off in your next order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCK15, 50% off at Built.com. As I noted before the break, this game was really won by the Hawks in the middle two quarters, and if you want to find one particular window which the Hawks kind of won this contest, it was the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. So they closed with a 15-4 run at the, at the end of the first half and then opened the second half with a 16-4 run, uh, at least, at least clo- close to the beginning of the first half, um, to go up by 16 points. So the Hawks went from trailing to up 16 in like, I don't know, six, seven minutes of real time. And that was kind of the entire game explained. Um, Trey was so aggressive still, hunting a shot, taking it to them really on both ends of the floor. But um, he had 21 points in 18 minutes to start this game with six assists as well. He he had a three off a steal to force a timeout in the middle of that run. And the Spurs just had nothing for him really the entire game. Uh, I thought Capella was much better in the third quarter as well on the glass around the rim. He had one just brilliant offensive rebound. He actually missed the putback, so it wasn't going to be memorable to play, but I thought that was pretty indicative of the way that he was playing. He had a dunk off a pass from Trey. And uh, with five minutes left in the third quarter, Capella had five steals and three blocks. Um, he didn't play a whole lot more after that because of just the way the game actually broke down, but he was so active defensively at times in this game, and that was good to see from him. Uh, I mentioned this before, but rotationally, they changed things up in the second half. I'm not really sure why that was. There was, no, there was no foul trouble to speak of, and the Hawks were playing well, but they actually went to Collins as the anchor of the second unit. Um, he came out of the game first instead of Capella, and then they played Trey longer, um, probably you know the first nine minutes or so of, this, of the third quarter. I'm not sure if that's because he was cooking and they wanted to kind of let, let him go, which, which is definitely explainable. But uh, interesting enough to see what the Hawks kind of tweaked there in rotation because it was all the same guys just kind of playing differently and then they actually paired uh, Lou and DeLon together again more uh, strategically in that second half. Um, they led by 20 with five minutes left in the third quarter before time out by the Spurs. The Spurs did have kind of a little bit of a late push, which we'll get into in a second, but there was one just a preposterous lob dunk by John Collins late in the third quarter. Um, the way he catches everything and dunks everything, just a ridiculous play. I'm sure you already saw it, but if you haven't, find that dunk. I know the Hawks tweeted it out on their official account, but just a crazy catch and finish from from John. Just a uh, a play that only he can make. I mean, I'm sure there may be a couple of other guys in the league that can make it, but he is the 99th percentile, I'll say, at that kind of finish, uh, both for the catch and the uh, you know the timing and the finishing and all that stuff. And then a really great pass by DeLon Wright at the very, very end of the quarter to find Lou Williams, who took his time, rightly so, and buried a three to put the Hawks back up by 20 at the end of the third period. Uh, and through three quarters, the Hawks had a 137 offensive rating. You're going to win most of the time if that's what you do offensively. And they scored 76 points in those two quarters in the middle of the game. Um, they shot 5-9 from three and 9-10 from the free throw line at the end of the third, sorry, on the third quarter alone. And two turnovers as well. They were just awesome in that period. Also, that was probably their best defensive quarter of the whole game. You know, the numbers in the fourth quarter were kind of ugly as well, but that was kind of more of the Spurs, um, I thought, you know, kind of shutting it down. Also, the garbage time there. But in terms of just full quarters, I thought defense was actually very good in the third overall. Kind of send that statement along to the Spurs. 
Um, there was one more little bit of hope from San Antonio late in the fourth quarter. Um, that it kind of struggled out of the gate in the fourth with a 7-0 run by the Spurs to get it down to 13. The Hawks didn't score for four straight trips, which was, uh, in this game, felt like an eternity, honestly, because they were so good on offense. But they, they didn't waste a lot of shot clock time in that time, which is actually probably, probably part of the problem, is that they took three kind of late clock heaves at the end of those um, possessions. But they went back to, to Young and Bogdanovich together out of a timeout. It was a good drive, actually, by Cam Reddish that I thought was under control. Got to the rim, got fouled, made free throws to kind of break that drought. And then they got a, a stop and then another dunk, and it was kind of 17 again. Um, it was 13 one more time from the Spurs with about, I don't know, six minutes to go or something like that, maybe seven minutes to go with Brim Forbes, who, by the way, was red hot in this game for San Antonio. But it never got closer than that, and it was basically a dominant position the rest of the way. Um Kind of the dagger sequence was Trey scoring seven points in about 90 seconds, and then Bogey hit a dagger three after a nice pass by Trey because who he was obviously attracting a lot of attention by that point in the game, and that put the Hawks up by 21 with five to go. It was basically over at that point. It was a timeout. Um, the Hawks didn't pull the plug right then, but it was definitely close to it. With about four minutes to go, they took out Trey, Capella, and Bogdanovich, and then Collins a few minutes after that. Uh, you saw some TLC, some Gorgie, some Solomon Hill in the final moments. And then Cam had a huge dunk, I thought, with two minutes to go. But other than that, there was nothing really to speak of down the stretch. It was uh, just kind of cruise control to the 18-point win. Um, as far as takeaways are concerned, the offense was very, very, very good in this game. Now, the numbers at the end of the contest actually kind of underrated, I think, because of the garbage time. But the Hawks had about a 130 offensive rating in the competitive portion of this game, 126 for the game overall. Um, 51% from the floor, 46% from three is obviously very good. You can't bank on that always, but they shot the ball well and also took good shots, I thought, for the most part. They got to the line 24 times, made 22 of them, and the Spurs were top five in the league coming in on free throw, free throw, throw attempt prevention, so that was obviously good to see the Hawks putting pressure on the rim, getting into the line. Um, 11 turnovers, and I think only nine of those were in the competitive portion. And that was also good because the Spurs make their living creating turnovers defensively. That was good to see them avoid that. And uh, a season high for the Hawks with eight guys in double figures. Only DeLon Wright of the guys who were in the rotation did not score 10 or more points. So there was some balance beyond the Trey heroics in this contest. Um, and then defensively, the Spurs definitely cooled off from where they were early in the game and actually scored about a 108 offensive rating in this spot, which I think the Hawks were not great defensively on the whole in this game. I think the first half in particular was not very good. They were much better in the second half when it, well, I guess, when it counted, quote unquote. Um, they allowed too many three point attempts for sure. And honestly, the defensive glass has been a bit of a problem the last couple of games. Um, I'm not worried about it. I talked about that a little bit on Twitter during the game because the Hawks have been a pretty good defensive rebounding team um, in this iteration with Capella and Collins and playing a little bit bigger. But the last, I don't know, week or so, maybe even longer than that, they've had some issues on the defensive glass, which Millen talked about after the game. I'm not sure if there's something on film there or what, but teams are definitely going after them on the offensive glass and having some success with that. So that's something if you want to find a negative takeaway from this game, that's probably it, that they could not keep the Spurs off the, off the offensive glass. But overall, um, it was definitely better after halftime, and they cut them off the line. That was good to see on the periphery in this spot. So, uh, again, a pretty complete victory from the Hawks in this game. It wasn't like... 48 minutes of dominance, but after a slow start, it was pretty much all Hawks from like late in the first quarter on. And again, that middle window of about seven or eight minutes, um, late first into early second, was basically when the Hawks turned this game around and it went from a deficit to a double-digit lead that they never gave away from that point forward. Um, before we get to some uh, player takeaways and observations from this contest and a look ahead to the rest of the week, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is betonline.ag. 
It's Thanksgiving. We all know what that means. It means football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive 50% as a welcome bonus with a promo code locked on to receive that bonus. It's not just football either. BetOnline has pro and college basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, your favorite Vegas casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the rest of 2021 and beyond. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. One more time, check out BetOnline.ag with a 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive that bonus. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. All right, and we'll go through now. If you're not familiar with this um, part of the podcast, what I do is go through each and every player that appeared in the rotation in the game and give some observations on what they did, their stats, etc. And in this game, it was nine guys in the rotation. Uh, there were um, you know, the other three guys who were active, Solomon Hill, Gorgie Jang, and Timothy Lolo Cabarro. Did play garbage time, but no, no really observations there from those guys. Uh, DeLon Wright was the quietest of, these, of the guys who played in the rotation. He had two points, four rebounds, had an assist. I thought he played fine, didn't shoot it well, one of five from the floor. Um, but he was, you know, he was kind of out there for the war, for the one kind of bad run that the Hawks had in the second half. That seven zero little push before Trey came back in the game. That was that wasn't really on him. I don't think. I, th- I don't think he was great by any means. But I thought he was just kind of fine. Uh, Lou had some nice moments. Twelve points in fourteen minutes. Um, shot it well. Had a couple of bad turn. Uh, at least one bad turnover, I should say. And then defensively, he was not. Uh, necessarily sharp, I didn't think, but 4-7 from the floor, 2-3 of from 3, made two free throws and kind of just made Lou plays in that little period of time where they kind of needed some offensive push. Um, Gallinari was pretty quiet from the floor. We got to the line eight times, made all eight of them for 10 points. So he managed to be efficient despite being 1-4 of from the floor. Um, Three assists, two rebounds. Defensively, um, wasn't terrible the whole way. We had a couple of, uh, I would say, some mind-blowing moments um, on film that I saw. But other than that, I thought he was uh, okay. He did his job, got to the line. It's something that Gallo does very well using his craft. A couple of plays where he got, got guys in the air with pump fakes and all that stuff. And that's what he uh, basically does at this point. And then Cam Reddish I thought was pretty good in this game. Uh, nothing um, terribly you know, off the charts, but got to the line twice, made two free throws, um, made both of his three-point attempts. It was only two of five on twos. There was one uh, very ugly step back, too. But uh, to his uh, defense, that was a shot clock heave. There's about three seconds left on the shot clock when he took it. I think he might have airballed it or always come, come close to that. But if you take that shot away, and it was not a good possession, but still it wasn't like all on him. I thought Cam was under control, played well, didn't take a lot of shots, which is okay, but um, defensively made some plays. Didn't actually have a steal or a block, which is uh, actually notable for him. He usually has something in that in that category, but I thought he played reasonably well. Um, I kind of just saw it across the board with 12 points in 22 minutes. To these starters in this game, um, again, everybody everybody except Delon Wright scored 10, scored 10 points or more in this game of the rotation, guys. Um, Herter had 10, exactly with three assists, three rebounds in 26 minutes. Uh, didn't play a ton in the second half, um, but 3 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3, uh, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Just kind of a solid across-the-board effort. Um, nothing terribly great or negative. Um, I thought defensively he made a couple nice plays uh, at the point of attack against, uh, against White and Murray. At times, but um, they kind of lost Brent Forbes a few times. I think that was not necessarily on a herder, but I thought he was just okay um, by his standard, which is t- which is totally fine. But Donovan, I actually was pretty encouraged by, um, even defensively, where I think Bogey's been pretty bad this season. He had a couple of uh, moments where I thought I was like, oh, that's actually pretty good from Bogey, like sliding his feet a little bit more. Um, that he was definitely responsible for Forbes a few times, um, but had 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and a steal. So uh, some pretty good activity in terms of like playmaking on defense. 
Uh, four of six from three is obviously what you want to see from him, and then three of six on twos. You'll take all that from Bogey. I thought he was a general positive um, and definitely better than this game than he has been in terms of the, on the whole this season. Uh, Collins was probably the only guy on the team um, that was like not as good as he usually is, and even then, uh, that's kind of grading on a curve because I thought John was still pretty good. Uh, 15 points, five rebounds for Collins, five away from the floor. Um, kind of a couple of interesting like weird finishes that he didn't make that he usually makes. But, uh, you know, it was probably like a B game from Collins, but uh, that's how good he's been all year long. He's been so good this, this season where it's, like, noticeable when he's not, like, absolutely great. Uh, but even then, he was totally fine and made an impact. Uh, Capella, I thought, was better in the second half than the first half, but finished with 11 points, 13 rebounds, 5 steals, which is a career high, by the way, and 3 blocks, plus 23. Um, my apologies for who tweeted this. I know somebody that I follow tweeted this, and I can't remember now. I just blanked on who it was. And it's very simple, but it's also, I think, pretty true. Um, basically, when Capella plays like he can play, when he plays well, um, you just kind of see that impact. And I've, t- I've talked about that around that a lot this season already, but um, it is really stark when you see them, particularly on defense, but even on, even on offense. When, he, when he's bringing the energy and stuff, they're a different team when he's really good. So that was the case in this game, and uh, he was plus 23 in 32 minutes. And then finally, Trey Young, who was, uh, again, just fantastic. I can't overstate how good he was. Um, I will say this. It crossed my mind that I, I saw some pe- people making jokes about it on Twitter. Um, I think it's kind of true, though. Um, Trey was very aggressive from the opening tip in this game, and I do wonder if he was a little bit more motivated in this game with Popovich on the other sideline, who, of course, snubbed him from the uh, Olympic team and all of that stuff. Um, I don't want to overstate that because it's kind of uh, something that I don't want to like play into too, too much, but it was definitely possible to me. It crossed my mind, to be sure, because Trey, from the opening bell, was very aggressive in this game in a good way. He played great. Uh, 31 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals. Uh, took 22 shots, but I think at one point he took uh, 21 shots in his first like 19 minutes, something like that. He was very, very aggressive shooting the ball in this game. And you know, not, not bad looks. He took a lot of good looks. He was just kind of really hunting his own shot. And his passing, as always, was brilliant. Plus 30 for Trey in 30 minutes. So in a game, Hawks won by 18 points. He was plus 30. Um, and even before garbage time, the Hawks were, I think, were minus eight, something like that, with him off the floor. So, pretty stark. And uh, this is the kind of game that you'll get from him from time to time, where he's just, like, the best player on the court, which happens a lot, honestly, but, like, by a lot. He was dominating this game, and this is an all-NBA kind of effort from Trey, and you don't want to overstate it, but obviously he was uh, brilliant in this contest and the single single best player on the floor on either side. So, uh, good to see that from Trey. And who won. It's kind of weird. I've actually seen some, like, National stuff talking about how Trey's been like, not necessarily disappointing, but kind of like under the radar or whatever this year. But he came in the night averaging 25 and 9 for the season. Like he's been pretty similar to what he was last season. I'm not really sure if it's because the Hawks weren't winning, but even on like the per 36 minute stuff, it's very similar to what he was last year. Um, so I'm not really sure if that's just like people not paying attention to him as much, but um, I think he's been really good this year in general and uh, was awesome in this game. It's probably. I don't know if it's his best game of the season, but it's definitely on the short list. I think it might have been his best, like, complete game of the year, given that if he'd been playing all the way to the end, he might have gone for, you know, 38 and 14, something like that. Um, there was the 42-10 and 10 game that he, had, that he had against Milwaukee where he just shot the lights out with eight threes. But in terms of, like, full-on game, like, he didn't have his jumper, like, dominating him this game. He, he had two threes. So, yeah, he had four, he's, had, he's had bigger nights both in assists and points. But I think um, just on the whole, offense, defense, you know, doing all the things that he does, 
one of his best efforts of the season. So we'll leave it there for now on that. But a lot of positives from this uh, game for the Hawks in general. And again, a sixth consecutive win to go to 10-9 and nine on the season and a nice way to start a mini road trip. Uh, from there, the Hawks will uh, go to Memphis, probably as we speak. As I'm recording this podcast, they will probably be heading to Memphis. Uh, they'll be there on Thursday for Thanksgiving. That's one of the uh, cruel things about this business for people that work for the Hawks or that are on the Hawks roster or coaches, etc., is that they're on the road right now and they can't go back home for Thanksgiving. So, um, unfortunate, but I'm sure they'll have, say, a team spread ready to go on Thursday, but then they'll return to action on Friday against the Grizzlies at home. In fact, there are no NBA games on Thursday. Not a huge surprise there, but still worth noting. Uh, the Grizzlies played actually at home tonight and lost to the, to the Raptors. Uh, Memphis is a very weird team. Uh, I won't do a full breakdown on them, but they're 9-9 nine and nine right now and uh, kind of been a hit-and-miss team. Like, one of the more baffling, like, sets of wins and losses on the year. Like, they have a 43-point home loss to Minnesota. They lost at home. Uh, sorry, that was a road loss to Minnesota. But lost at home by 13 to the Raptors tonight. They lost to the Pelicans earlier in the season. But they also scored 136 against the Rockets. They beat the Nuggets twice um, when they were more, more at full strength than they are now. They beat the Warriors on the road. Um, so, yeah, they've had some highs and lows. So, that's a game that could be uh, just about anything. On Friday, but of course, always the headline matchup between Trey and John Morant, and uh, plenty to discuss on that one. And then from there, the Hawks have a back-to-back, and they play the uh, the now arch-rival New York Knicks, who uh, don't like Trey Young very much. But alas, that game's actually going to be in Atlanta, so no uh, no MSG stories on that night. But uh, interesting back-to-back coming for the Hawks, and we'll see if they can uh, keep this winning streak alive through those two games. Uh, no new podcast on Thursday because of Thanksgiving. Uh, my apologies on that, but uh, barring something crazy happening, no emergency podcasts and all that stuff, but nothing planned. But we'll be back again for both games, one, one show after the game on Friday and another after the game on Saturday, as we always are. And finally, in the Thanksgiving spirit, I must say at the end of the podcast, I am very thankful for all the support that I've gotten on the podcast and all the other things that I do as well, my writing and Twitter, et cetera, but especially on the show because um, I'm on the show right now. But thank you very much for listening, and the show has grown. I really appreciate that. But please, 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 as I always do, but I will do it one more time here at the end of the podcast, I, I would encourage you to share the podcast with friends or family, people that you may not be around all the time, or acquaintances, or uh, people that you just know that like basketball or like the Hawks. Uh, I will uh, definitely encourage you and uh, pray that you will uh, share the podcast. But thank you very much for all the people that have already subscribed and all that stuff. But please subscribe. Leave five-star feedback, ratings, reviews, all that stuff really helps the podcast, and uh, I really appreciate it. Please follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland, and we'll see you after the game on Friday night. In the meantime, happy Thanksgiving.